0: on 2020 episode 195. have 2020 vision with ion 2020 your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election i am ray eaton and i will keep you up to date daily until november 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news thank you for joining me now let's clear our vision hey what's up everybody ray eaton here your host who brings you the most with regards to the 2020 election this is ION 2020 and that is your source for the news related events, all the things that go on in the 2020 election including the candidates and their policies I cover candidates from the Democratic side, the Republican side the Libertarian side I'll even cover the I'll even cover the Socialist candidate side whenever, it, or the Communist Party of America side of things whenever they uh, announce who their candidate's going to be as well, I'm going to do it all Because I want to make sure that you are the most informed person that you can be when you start talking to your friends about different candidates and their policies and their positions and the things that go on in the 2020 election. That's what this show is here to do, give you a libertarian perspective of all of those things that are going on in the 2020 election. So if you just have some random person walk up to you and say, you know what, I'm voting communist. I'm voting for the communist candidate. You'll be like, well, you know what? I know a lot about that communist candidate because I listen to ION 2020. That's what you'll be able to do. So I appreciate those that continue to come out here and join me every single day, Monday through Friday, as we take a deep dive into the uh, presidential election that's coming up in 2020. All of the news. You guys know this because I've been talking about it for the last week now. All of the news is about Donald Trump and the whole impeachment thing that's going on um, and all that. So I, I was... I was reading a few things and stuff like that, and I'm not going to cover too much on this whole impeachment thing. I actually have uh, an oldie but goodie for you to talk about today, and that's Medicare for All, so that's what I'm going to focus in on. But before I jump into that, I just wanted to say this. The House of Representatives, right, they are the ones that are going to be doing the impeachment proceedings and all that, and then they send it over to the Senate, and uh, the Senate needs like a two-thirds majority in order to basically impeach the president and get him kicked out of office, and I don't think that that's going to happen, guys. Two-thirds majority, I mean, you have 51 or 52 uh, senators in in the Senate that are Republican, and if you need 60 votes, you'd have to flip a lot of those guys. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that they kind of run in lockstep and in unison with the president, and the reason why is I think like 25 or something like that, maybe 20... Not twenty. Yeah, it might be twenty-five or thirty Republicans are up for re-election this year. It's a huge amount for twenty twenty. And when Donald Trump has a lot of support among Republicans, you do not want to stir up that controversy. You do not want to stir that water at all. So you need like almost half, or yeah, you know, almost half of the Republicans to flip and decide to impeach Donald Trump, and that's just going to make it so that it will be a hard road for them to get re-elected. Uh, If they decide to go against Donald Trump. And even if they, even if like 75% of the people hated Donald Trump, it would still be hard to get the Republicans to switch because the Republicans are going to still get out there and vote for their guy. A lot of Republicans who are voters, they're still going to vote for Donald Trump no matter what. But you also want to get those people to the ballot box. And when you have all this controversy going on, I don't think that they would do that. I don't think they're going to stir the pot up that much in order to make a point which would be you better be in line with the establishment or else and i think that's kind of the messages that's being that are being sent to donald trump and to the followers and to those that are kind of uh, on his side i guess you know um i was listening to or i I think i read a article yeah i was read an article by bill Crystal, who was the i guess he was the uh director of the National Standard which was the a conservative or a, not really a conservative it was more like a neoconservative magazine that kind of that actually isn't printed anymore but he was right the, the, no, in the New York Times and he was saying that the Republicans should turn on Trump and they should try to get him out of office and they should vote for somebody that is uh, a Republican like they should try to get him to be or get someone else to be the nominee for the Republican Party and that they can make that happen. And I just don't see that happening, guys. I mean, 79, 80% of people, something like that, still support Donald Trump on the Republican side, and he's not going anywhere in that sense. He might go somewhere on the impeachment proceeding. He might, by some leap of faith or something like that, the Democrats might just destroy him to the point where he just says, you know what, put his hands up and say, I resign, but I don't think that's going to happen as well. Um but that's all I want to talk about with the impeachment proceedings that's what's going on right now. Uh what I wanted to talk about to you guys is Medicare for All. That is an oldie but goodie, right? It was something that was talked about in the 2015-2016 campaign by Bernie Sanders. He was the only one talking about it. 2018 comes around and a lot of the Democrats that were running especially like o- o- Ocasio-Cortez She ran on the idea of having Medicare for All, and that became a popular thing. And now every single Democratic candidate is talking about Medicare for All in some way. Whether it's Medicare for All who want it, having a public option for people to choose within the Obamacare exchange, or making it so it's a mandatory thing where you have to take Medicare for All and making it so that all private insurance goes away completely over a, a period of time that's the most extreme view the most extreme view is bernie sanders view which says that over the next four years or so once he gets elected by 2024 they will phase out private insurance first they'll make it so someone that's 65 or older obviously they can already get insurance right i think the first year they'll drop it down to 55 and older. Then the next year will be 45 and older. Then the next year will be 35 and older, and then the next year after that will be everybody, right? So by the fourth year, everybody is covered under Medicare for all, the single payer system. And I've and this is the argument that they make. The argument that they make is that it's going to be less expensive overall. The overall cost of your, of medical spending in the United States will go down. Not the overall cost of government medical spending because most of the spending that goes on in government or not in government most of the spending that goes on in medicine I think it's like 60% of it is in the private sector, right? And then you have 40% of it or so that is in the public sector paid for by the government. And he says that he would like it all to be paid by... It. So a single payer is going to pay for all medical expenses in America. And by doing that, you'll get rid of all, a lot of the costs associated with... Or you, First of all, you get rid of the profit within the, medic, within the insurance age industry... So that all those profits are going to reduce the cost. And then all the bureaucracy within these insurance agencies that's going to cut the cost and then all of the bureaucracy that the doctor's offices and the hospitals have to do in order to bill the insurance and fight the insurance claims and different things like that that'll go away and then that'll save on the medical costs so that the overall spending in America just because the government takes it over is going to go down because you are going to get rid of all that, a lot of that stuff but the thing is is the first thing that I you know, the last thing I said is the bureaucracy within the doctors offices Medicare itself has caused a lot of doctors offices to have to hire people specifically for the billing and the coding that goes on in order to bill and code for Medicare. A lot of the stuff that goes on with those offices is to try to navigate the best way to bill for something in order to get the best payout from Medicare. You also have you know people trying to make sure that they stay compliant with Medicare, different things like that. there's already a bureaucracy built up around Medicare at most doctors' offices and at most hospitals. actually I would say I would that was just say every hospital in every every uh, doctor's office probably has something designed to help mitigate that, right? And also, a lot of consolidation has happened within doctors' offices where it's not just to get on to Dr. Jim's office and Dr. Jim is the owner and he has a couple nurses that work for him and a receptionist. Like, now you go into these offices there'll be a receptionist but there'll be like 14 people back there doing the billing and there'll be 15 doctors in one office and there'll be You know, 15 nurses as well and everything is built around the idea there's only about two people that actually see you you'll have your nurse see you and then your doctor will come in after that but all those people in that billing office are designed to deal with Medicare and also insurance too that insurance billing, that is true but a lot of that red tape goes along with Medicare as well so when Bernie Sanders says we're going to get rid of a lot of that overhead that these doctor's offices have that's going to save and all that. That's actually not the case. It's actually going to hurt a lot of these doctor's offices because a lot of those doctor's offices are dependent upon regular insurance to pay a little bit higher than what Medicare does. I think Medicare pays 60 to 70 cents on the dollar whereas regular insurance will pay quite a bit more than that and it ends up that um a lot of doctors offices don't even take medicare because of that now if you're in this situation where medicare for all becomes the norm and the government makes it illegal to have it, private insurance whatever a lot of doctors offices won't be able to handle that a lot of hospitals won't be able to handle that handling the lower revenues that come in they won't be able to keep their doors open so we'll have less offices, less hospitals, less Medicare, medical facilities, more demand for those. What happens when there's more demand and less supply? Prices skyrocket. Prices go up. But you know what? They control the prices. So then what happens? Less investment Within because, because you can't make as much profits anymore because you're taking losses a lot. Every year you're taking a little bit more of a loss because the Supply is down and the demand is up and you have control over the prices. So all of a sudden you have less capital investment going into new hospitals, new equipment, new doctor's offices, new buildings. The growth slows down. We get less service. We get longer waiting lines, things like that. That's a breakdown of the system that can happen under a government system. That may not be... Exactly what happens, but that's a possibility. It's a risk. It's something that we have to deal with if we were going to be in that system. So I was reading an article from FEE, uh, it's Foundation for Economic Education, and it came out Tuesday, September 17th, 2019, and it was written by Charles Blouse, and it says, Why Medicare for All is Already Looking More Expensive. And he says, uh, After my study of the cost of Medicare for All was published in last July, a fierce debate erupted over whether Medicare for All, while dramatically increasing the costs borne by federal taxpayers, might nevertheless reduce total U.S. health expenditures. Now, just one year after my findings, we have substantial additional evidence that Medicare for All would further increase, not reduce, national health spending. So Bernie Sanders, he and Elizabeth Warren, they're the ones that are specifically for Medicare for all no matter what, just a complete takeover of the insurance insurance where Medicare is the single payer. And Elizabeth Warren bounces around the idea. She they say, are you going to have to raise taxes in order to pay for this? It's 3.5 trillion dollars per year. To pay for Medicare for All. Are you going to have to raise taxes? And she bounces around. Well, total, over, un, total out-of-pocket costs for people will go down. Will go down. Total over uh, out-of-pocket costs. So right now you pay for your insurance. And you pay for your deductibles. And you pay for your doctor's office visits. And things like that. So she, then she will not say, yes, we're going to raise taxes. She just bounces around the idea. Whereas Bernie Sanders is a little bit more straightforward. Yes, taxes will go up. Yes, you will have to pay more in taxes. But your overall cost is going to go down per year on medical spending. And he says, trust me. Trust the government that we will get it right. That we will be efficient. As a monopolist in the system, as the sole monopoly for the payment of health care, we will get it right. Trust us. That's the first problem that I have with something like this is when they say, when you expect me to trust the federal government. That kills me. So this is what the article goes on to say. To be clear, no one on either side of this debate questions my central finding that Medicare for All would increase federal costs by an unprecedented amount, likely between thirty-two point six and $38 trillion over 10 years. So that's what, $3.5 million a year. A federal tab so large that even doubling all projected federal individual and corporate income taxes could not finance it. Yet Medicare for All advocates continue to believe that it would be, that it could bring down national health spending down. That's because substantially more difficult, or it's become more, substantially more difficult to argue in light of subsequent events. So then what are the events that he's talking about? So, according to the article, the actual Medicare for All that the Democrats are toting—the one that's uh, proposed in Congress already—basically says that the fee schedules will not be at the same rate as what Medicare or what current Medicare fee schedules are. So, the payouts that the doctors and the hospitals get will not be at the same rate; they'll be at higher rates, and so forth. And that's the that's that requires the Medicare and the medical providers to. Believe that that's the case, but they, but what he says is that uh, politically, you know, the different Congress people and stuff are going to put different laws into place, trying to do different amendments and things like that. That'll eventually cause the prices that are being paid out to medic for Medicare for all to come down, which will then end up being the fact that we'll have less service. The service that we'll get will be worse than what we currently have now. My biggest problem overall with this Medicare for All plan, I mean, if if we are in a situation or we trust our government, trust the federal government to be in charge of like one-third of the economy, I think is what Medicaid, medicine is, right? If we trust them to be in charge of that, my biggest problem is not the cost. If I pay $500 a month for Medicare or for health care for my family for health insurance for my family another four or $500 a month for out-of-pocket ex- out-of-pocket expenses if that's what I'm doing, I'm paying $900 a month whether I pay it to the federal government directly or I pay it out of my own pocket directly that's neither here nor there for me personally my concern is is not the money; it's the trusting the federal government to be in charge of that stuff, guys. It's not the money. I don't care if Medicare for All saves twenty trillion dollars a year in out-of-pocket expenses. I could care less about that. I don't care if it's. Sh- I don't care if it saves all. Of money. I don't care. if Somehow, I have zero out-of-pocket expenses for that, and I, it cuts my taxes down completely. If my only option. Is a federal option? I'm against that. I don't think that that's right. I don't think that I would trust the federal government to be in charge of that. I don't think I would trust a flawed politician to be in charge of that. These people in Washington D.C. all they care about is getting reelected. Do I want them to be in charge of my medicine? When this campaign lobbyist, this lobbyist has an inferior product, but he has better connections within the federal government's lobbying system to get to more Congress people, and he's able to get them to pass a law that says that if I go and I have this procedure done, I have to use his product, and that's part of Medicare, but there's a better product out there that someone else has, and I don't have the choice to use that product because that lobbyist wasn't as good as the other lobbyists? Do you really want to be in that situation where you have inferior products because somebody was more politically connected than another person within a business unit? Are you kidding me? I'm not worried about the cost. I'm worried about the the corruption that goes along with it. And it's going to be corrupt. You already have Medicare corruption going on. There was a commercial I saw the other day, and it says... It says, don't ever give out your Medicare card information over the phone because there's people that are out there that are trying to get your information from you so they can bill Medicare on your behalf. And they say, watch your bills, make sure it's something that was done to you and everything else. I guarantee you most retirees are not sitting there looking over their Medicare bill at the end of the month or looking over their services or whatever bill they get, whatever statement they get. I mean, it's impossible for me to read my insurance ones. I get this one from Blue Cross Blue Shield every day, or every time we do a procedure or something like that, every time we go to the doctor, and it'll say my portion and, and their portion. And they'll always say, this is not a bill. But I'm not looking that thing over, making sure that everything is right on there. I don't have the time or the competency to even do that. Nor do I even care to do that. I wish I did, but I don't. I'm not... I have other things to do. I have two podcasts that I put on. I have a full-time job. I have two kids and a wife. And crap, we like to get away on the weekends, you know? I don't have time for that. Now, do I want a bunch of politicians in Washington deciding who and at what time within my cancer treatment can I get an MRI? Or can I start chemotherapy? Do I want some idiot politician being in charge of that? Who's going to make political decisions with your health, no matter what, because that's what they do. That's why I'm against Medicare for all. That's exactly That's the only reason why I'm against Medicare for all. It's because of corrupt politicians. And you can't trust them to be, to not be corrupt. You can't. Because they're going to make decisions based upon that stuff. They're going to make decisions based upon their own connections. I mean, Ocasio-Cortez, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she's having this big fight right now, and this idea that she wants to bail out the taxi cab companies, right? That are in water, or not the, ca- the taxi cab drivers, she says. She wants to bail them out because of people that are taking out these loans and different things like that. I guarantee you that that's coming from the banks that are above those people because they're not going to get paid for the... What happens is in New York, you have to have a medallion in order to get to to be a taxi cab driver. And whenever Uber and Lyft came out, those medallions went from being worth like a million dollars each to being worth like $50,000 each. And these people, these taxi cab companies would take out loans against those medallions because there's a value to that medallion. So they would own a medallion for a million dollars, they would take out kind of like a home equity loan, you could call it a medallion equity loan, for like $800,000 in order to, or $10,000 or $100,000 or whatever, they would borrow against that medallion so they could go out and buy more medallions, or go out and buy more cars, or go out and buy more capital products, or just go out and buy a new house for themselves. So if you own two medallions and you could take out $2 million in loans, and now your medallion's worth goes from being worth 2 million dollars to being worth 100 grand total. All of a sudden, that bank looks at it and says, "Holy crap, we are in deep, man." So they call that loan back. They call for payoff on the loan or they or the person that has those two medallions, now they're not getting as many taxi jobs anymore cuz Lyft and Uber is out there. So they're making less money. So they can't afford to pay back that $12,000 a month mortgage payment or whatever that they have on those two loans they can't afford they start getting underwater and Ocasio-Cortez is saying look, we need to bail these people we need to save them but that's not she thinks she's trying to help those people out but the people that are directing her the people that are putting her into that position to try to fight for the little guy are the banks they are just trying to get bailed out by the taxpayer that's corruption, guys Underhandedly, Like, it's not corruption in the ultimate sense, but that some lobbyist got to her, and it's got to be from the banks. Hey, we need to bail these guys out so they could pay us back. We need the government to come in here and bail them out so they could pay us back. That's the same kind of stuff that's going to happen under Medicare for All. Every company, I mean, it happens in the pharmaceutical world already. You have got to get your prescription drugs onto the Medicare plan now government pays less for those drugs a little bit less or on Medicaid you want to get your drug to be able to be prescribed under Medicaid or Medicare and if you can do that then you have it easy with the doctors because the doctors can prescribe it it's covered under Medicare person can go in there and get the drug but the lobbyists are the ones that make that happen when they cover when when they go into Medicare's offices when they go into these offices and talk to them, they're trying to get their stuff prescribed there's people making business decisions on that, political business decisions and if you can't get your stuff covered, you might go find your congressman to make a law that'll get passed in order to get your drug covered or your MRI machine covered or whatever You want to make sure that you have coverage and you're going to do whatever you can to do that because it's politically beneficial to you to spend a million dollars if you can make a hundred million dollars back. And all you got to do is pay off enough, give out enough campaign donations, buy dinners for enough people in Congress, take them out to enough lunches, have enough town halls with them, things like that, whining and dining them in their office staff. Whatever it takes, guys, we'll do it. I'll invest a million dollars, make a hundred million dollars anytime, any day. That's the least risky investment you can make when it becomes a law and you're going to do it every time. That is my fear, guys. That is the only fear I have of Medicare for All. So I'm going to stop talking about this. You guys know how I feel. Libertarians, We need to rise up, though, and start talking about this stuff. It's not about the money. It's not. It's not if we're going to save money or if we're not going to save money as a nation overall with the Medicare spending. Nine times out of ten, if the government does something, it's more expensive than what they planned it to be anyway. Every single time, almost. So if they say it's going to cost $3.5 trillion a year... It'll probably cost 4 Or heck, maybe even 5 I don't know. Because it's not done efficiently because there's no profit motive whatsoever. So they're willing to spend. And then instead of trying to cut costs every year, instead of trying to figure out ways to improve the services while cutting costs in some way, what are they going to do? They just have this automatic 3.5% increase in the budget every single year, no matter what. Whether they're needed or not, so everyone at the end of the year goes out and spends as much money as they can, so they can get more money in their budget for the next year as well. That's the bureaucracy, guys. That's and Dr. Bernie Sanders swears, "Oh, you'll get rid of the bureaucracy." No, it'll only increase. It will. So yeah, that's that's my fear: less service, worse, you know, worse product less choices longer waiting lines the government does not do things affi- oh and more more corruption absolute corruption within government that's all there is so that's, that's all I have to say on that particular issue so hopefully we can get out there and tell our friends about it though I, call, I have a call to action at the end of almost every show and my call to action to you is to resist, resist people when they talk about Medicare for all Oh, it's a good thing. Have those statements put out there. Get them to doubt their government. Doubt the efficiency of government. That's where we can all agree that the government is not efficient. And when they say, oh, yeah, well, in this case it'll be different. Show me one example where it has been different. We We can make those points very easily to people, okay? And it's our job to get out there and have those conversations with people on a daily basis, have those conversations on Facebook and on Twitter and with your friends and at the work. And if you do that, we start growing the base, we start growing the movement, and we start growing liberty in a way that eventually the candidates and the policies that they put that they pitch will be more libertarian, will be directed towards smaller government, towards limited government. That's what they'll have to do if we have a libertarian nation. So we need to start growing the movement even more. Okay, so keep on getting out there and doing that, guys. If you like what you hear every single day, I appreciate it, man. I do. I appreciate it. you can keeping coming back. You do. And if it's your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe to the show. If you don't agree with everything I say, that's fine. I don't agree with everything you say. But at least, you, at least we're all open to hearing a different point of view, right? So go ahead and do that, okay? Subscribe to the show. If you've been keeping on coming back and you're you know listening every day and you, you know generally like what you hear. Stop what you're doing. Give me a five star rating and review. That would be helpful as well. Helps me to sh- get this show out to more and more people too. If you give me a review, I'll read it on the show. If you send me an email, ray at iamtheempire I'll read that as well if you want me to. And then, um, yeah, the five star rating and review is very helpful. And also, if you want to follow me, you could do that. IonTheEmpire.com, that's the website but also on Facebook and on Twitter is I on the empire we just type that in you get to find me there and if you like the idea of supporting different podcasts hey or if you just want to support this show that's great go to anchor.fm slash I on 2020 you can do that there okay and then if you keep on coming back every day you will have clear vision for 2020. okay, it's official. First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. The website is up, firstyearinsales.com, as well as the podcast First Year in Sales. So, if you know somebody, or if you happen to be in sales, you might as well go ahead and check this thing out, right? Because it is going to help you become a better salesperson by grounding you with the habits and the skills needed to be successful in sales, especially in your first year. But Even if you're not in your first year, might as well check it out because then you'll be able to get back to the basics and getting back to the basics is key in sales. I've always felt that way. So go ahead and check it out. First year in sales is ready and it's a podcast and you can do firstyearinsales.com.